Hey guys, I'm Ray Belli, and this is Words for Granted, a podcast that looks at how words change over time. As the regular listeners of this podcast know, there's usually a theme song playing right about now, but today I have an exciting announcement to make, and I wanted to grab your attention. It shouldn't take more than a minute or two, so don't skip ahead. Words for Granted is working together with a new podcast app called Himalaya to create a more engaged community around this show and to offer up more content. Himalaya is like Apple Podcasts meets Patreon meets a community forum all in one app. So it lets you search for, organize, and listen to all your favorite podcasts. And then if you really love the podcast you're listening to, within the app itself, you can sign up as a member of the podcast to get premium content. My premium content will consist of bonus episodes, ad-free episodes, advanced releases, transcripts, and occasional behind-the-scenes stuff like photos and maybe some recording bloopers. All of this comes for one fixed fee uh, with no hierarchical tiers. Additionally, signing up for premium content also gives you access to a fan club messaging feature where you can talk directly to me and other premium members. If you ask me, this is kind of the coolest part. I look forward to having conversations about topics that go beyond the scope of what I can squeeze into a single episode. So I encourage you to head over to your app store to download Himalaya and you could see for yourself what it's all about. They've done an amazing job to create an all-in-one platform that ultimately creates sustainability for independent podcasters like me while also building a community around listeners like you. With that, Let's get on to today's show, part four in a series on kinship terms. This time, we'll be exploring the words grandmother and grandfather. We already covered the etymologies of mother and father in previous episodes of this series, so what we'll really be covering is the emergence of that prefix grand. The kinship prefix grand did not come into usage until the Middle English period, but of course grandparents have been around forever. So let's start off by looking at the terminology for grandparents in Old English, before that grand prefix became conventional. In Old English, the word for grandmother was il de modor, and the word for grandfather was il de fader. These words literally meant old mother and old father, and that prefix ielde is indeed the source of the modern English word old. It's also the source of the words elder and eldest, which are comparative forms of old that are sometimes used when describing a family member. Elder, of course, is also used as a noun describing someone who is older than you. The written record attests a handful of variants of this Old English word for old, such as ald, ald, alde, and eold, among others. And all of these variations are reflected in the spellings and pronunciations of eelde fader and eelde modar. Eelde fader and eelde modar are just the two most common forms that I encountered in my research, and that's why I've chosen to present them here. By early modern English, English speakers had basically converged around the spelling and pronunciation of the word old used today, yet for some reason, speakers still clung on to the irregularly inflected words elder and eldest in reference to family relations. The Old English prefix ielde, once used to indicate grandparenthood, 
was also used in another term that still survives in modern English. That word is alderman. Although the precise definition of alderman varies from country to country, in general it refers to a member of an assembly founded under English law. Alderman also survives as a surname. Originally, an ealdorman, literally old man, was a title given to high-born men whose status was independent of the king. Over time, it came to be a term applied to leaders, generals, judges, and eventually councilmen. If we trace the Old English Ialde all the way back to Proto-Indo-European, the prehistoric mother tongue of most of the major languages ranging from Western Europe to South Asia, it derives from the reconstructed root word hel, meaning to grow. I mention this because hel passed into Latin as altus, which is the basis of the Italian and Spanish words alto, which mean tall. If you grow in age, you become ialde, or old, and if you grow in height, you become alto, or tall. As you can see, the Germanic and Latinate branches of the Indo-European family tree picked up on and developed different meanings associated with this single verb. Actually, the height-related sense of growth that we see in the Latin word alto is the more common meaning associated with derivatives of that Proto-Indo-European root word, hell. While I'm at it, I might as well mention that hell is also the ultimate source of the Latin words alumnus and alumni, words that English has inherited wholesale as alumnus and alumni. An alumnus is someone who has graduated or grown out of their studies. Hopefully you found these somewhat tangential connections to the Old English grandparent terms el de modor and el de fader interesting. El de modor and el de fader survived into the early Middle English period, though often shifting to simpler pronunciations such as eld mother and eld father. Again, pronunciations and spellings of these words varied from one region of England to the next. It wasn't until the early 15th century that the now standard terms grandmother and grandfather began to emerge. In order to understand where that grand prefix came from, we have to do a quick recap of English history from three centuries prior. In 1066, England was conquered by the Norman French, and over the next several centuries, French loanwords began pouring into the English language. Among the aristocracy, a hybrid Anglo-Norman language began to emerge, and it's here that we find the earliest usage of that grand prefix. The Anglo-Norman words for grandmother were grandmère, literally grandmother, which is still the French word for grandmother to this day, and grand dame, literally grand woman. As always, I ask you to please excuse my terrible French pronunciation. The second half of grand dame has passed into modern English as dame, a somewhat archaic word that has had a variety of connotations over the course of history, including a woman of rank, station, or authority, the mistress of a household, the wife or daughter of a lord, and a female member of an order of knighthood. Today, dame is usually used to mean a classy or old-fashioned woman. The Anglo-Norman words for grandfather were grandpère, literally grandfather, which is still the French word for grandfather to this day, and grand sir, literally grand sir. Sir 
like its modern English derivative sir, was a title of respect for a man, ultimately derived from the Latin word cynix. Cynix has also given us modern English words such as senior and senate, plus the Spanish loan word senor. Now, you might be wondering, why the word grand? What's so grand about your parents' parents? Today, the word grand tends to carry a sense of magnificence and splendor. Think of a grand entrance, a grand narrative, or a grand tour. However, when we trace the word back to its Latin root grandis, its primary meaning was simply big. This sense is perfectly preserved by the Spanish and Italian words grande, which mean big. However, right from the start, the Latin word grandis had a wide range of other meanings too. In addition to big, it could also mean tall, grown-up, great, powerful, important, noble, or dignified, all of which are reasonable metaphorical extensions of a root word meaning big. The usage of the Norman French grand in grand dame and grand père or grand sire had the connotation of full-grown or perhaps dignified. Interestingly, the usage of grand as a prefix for one's parents' parents is a linguistic innovation unique to French that's not found in the other Romance languages. The reason for this is because this linguistic convention didn't exist in Latin, which, of course, is the mother tongue of all the Romance languages. The Latin words for grandmother and grandfather were avia and avus, respectively. The modern Spanish words for grandmother and grandfather, abuela and abuelo, are their direct etymological descendants. The closest linguistic construction to grandmother or grandfather that appears in the Latin written record is avunculus magnum, Latin for great uncle on your mother's side. Magnum was another Latin word for big, a synonym of grandis. Some linguists have drawn a connection between avunculus magnum and the French constructions using the prefix grand, but it also may just be a coincidence. Just for the record, avunculus is where we get the modern English word avuncular, meaning of or pertaining to an uncle. Avunculus was actually a diminutive form of avus, which, as I just mentioned, was the Latin word for grandfather, so avunculus literally meant little grandfather. The next time you see your uncle, I hope you call him that. Now, let's turn our attention back to English. By the early 15th century, the Middle English prefix eld, meaning old, began to fade out in favor of the prefix grand. By the late Middle English period, the half-French, half-English terms grandmother and grandfather had become the predominant way of referring to one's parents' parents. Now, we also use that prefix grand in the words grandson and granddaughter. This linguistic construction became conventional during the Elizabethan era, roughly two centuries after the emergence of the words grandmother and grandfather. Considering what we know about the etymology of grand, a word that once meant fully grown or big, its application to grandchildren is ironic. This is probably an indication that the literal meaning of grandmother and grandfather was no longer consciously comprehended by English speakers. So, what were grandchildren called before they became grand? 
We'll answer that one after a quick word from today's sponsor. Words for Granted is a proud member of the CLNS Media Network, and today's episode is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. Do you consider yourself a lifelong learner? Do you enjoy learning at your own pace, anytime, anywhere? If so, then you should really check out The Great Courses Plus. The Great Courses Plus offers unlimited video access to academic lecture series by some of the world's leading professors. This is college-level learning, but without the pressure of homework, grades, and, oh yeah, student loans. With the Great Courses Plus app, you can stream or download their entire video library onto your phone. While the guy next to you on the train is playing a video game on his phone, you can be catching up on that college course that you always wish you had taken. I recommend checking out the course History of the English Language, a 36-video-long series that traces English from prehistory all the way to the Internet age. Some broad topics include what did the Normans do to English, the Great Vowel Shift, Renaissance attitudes toward teaching English, and the politics of language study. For a limited time, The Great Courses Plus is offering listeners of this show one free month of unlimited access to their entire library. To claim your free month, you'll need to sign up through my special URL, thegreatcoursesplus.com words. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com words. It's my pleasure to have the opportunity to share this deal with you, so don't miss out. All right, where were we? In Old English, a grandson was a sunasunu or dohotorsunu, literally son-son or daughter-son. A granddaughter was suna dohotor or dohotor dohotor, literally son's daughter or daughter's daughter. Straightforward enough. However, Old English also used the words nefa and nift for grandson and granddaughter, respectively. These terms are actually older than the more literal kinship terms that I just mentioned. You might notice that nefa and nift sound a lot like the modern English words nephew and niece, and that's because they're cognate with nephew and niece. In addition to meaning grandson and granddaughter in Old English, nefa and nift also meant nephew and niece. Now, how does that make any sense? Well, it doesn't, really, but this lack of linguistic distinction among grandchildren, nephews, and nieces goes back to the Proto-Indo-European language. The meaning of the reconstructed Proto-Indo-European root word nepot, the ultimate source of nephew, was nephew or grandson, and the meaning of nepti, its feminine form, was niece or granddaughter. In other words, Nepot and Nepti were used as general terms for closely related young relatives who were not one's sons or daughters. While this lack of linguistic distinction might seem perplexing to us today, if you think about it, we still have ambiguous basic kinship terms in modern English. For example, an uncle is your mother or father's brother, but an uncle can also be the husband of your mother or father's sister, or brother for that matter. One of these uncles is related to you by blood, and the other through marriage. The same applies to the word aunt. The semantic ambiguity of aunt and uncle doesn't seem particularly problematic for us today, probably because we're just used to it, and the Proto-Indo-Europeans probably felt the same way about nieces, nephews, and grandchildren. However, the emergence of precise literal terms such as suna-sunu, son-son, and suna-dohotor, son's daughter, shows that by the Old English period, 
English speakers found it useful to distinguish their grandchildren with literal descriptions. These secondary terms probably served a similar function to elaborations we use today, such as uncle on my mother's side or aunt on my father's side through marriage. In Middle English, the predominant words for grandson and granddaughter were nephew and nese, respectively. These sound a little bit different than the Old English nefa and nift, and that's because they're actually the Norman French versions of the same words. The Old English nefa and nift and the Norman French nevu and nese both derive from the same Proto-Indo-European sources, and like their Old English cognates, the French versions of these words also had the same ambiguity of meaning. It wasn't until the 16th century that the meanings of nephew and niece, as the words came to be pronounced in early modern English, became restricted to their modern usage. Naturally, this overlaps with the time period when the grand prefix was first used to designate grandchildren. Now that we've looked at what makes your parents' parents and your parents' parents' children so grand, why not take a look at what makes your parents' parents' parents and parents' 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 children so great? English began using great as a prefix to designate one's grandparents' parents in the early 15th century. This is the same time period when English began using grand as a prefix to designate one's parents' parents. However, unlike grand, which was borrowed from French as we know, great is a native English word, though its usage as a kinship prefix is almost certainly modeled off of the French usage of grand. Before this, in Old English, the word for great-grandfather was trida fader, literally third father, and the word for great-grandmother was trida modor, literally third mother. The early Middle English written record also attests forms such as further elde father, literally the further older father. Great and grand are semantically and historically very similar words. Originally, both simply meant big in a literal spatial sense, and over the course of history, both have acquired a wide range of metaphorical usages. This similarity is no coincidence. If we trace these words all the way back to Proto-Indo-European, they ultimately derive from the same reconstructed root word, grehu. Perhaps surprisingly, this root word grehu meant to rub or to grind. The connection to a sense of big may have evolved from a usage meaning thickly cut grains, but linguists aren't exactly sure, and heck if I know. The point for our story is that great and grand are distinct linguistic kin that were reunited in the 14th century in a marriage between the English and French languages. Okay, if you love the show, again, check out the Himalaya app and the premium content that I'm offering there. Even if you can't become a member, I still encourage you to check out Himalaya because it's definitely one of the coolest podcasting apps out there right now. I also encourage you to leave a rating and review on any podcast platform of your choice because those reviews really help the show grow and give me feedback about how I can make the show better. I'm on Twitter at, at @wordsforgranted and Facebook as Words for Granted. And you can email me directly with questions, comments, and concerns at wordsforgranted at gmail.com. Have a great day. I'll catch you next time here at Words for Granted.